Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to look at how real estate investors can capitalize on tax opportunities. My guest in this episode is Brandon Hall. Brandon is the founder and CEO of the Real Estate CPA. Brandon works with real estate investors, syndicates, and private equity funds to optimize tax positions and streamline accounting and business functions. He believes that real estate investing is critical to building sustainable and generational wealth. Brandon worked at PricewaterhouseCoopers and Ernest & Young prior to launching his own CPA firm, Hall CPA PLLC also known as the Real Estate CPA. Through the knowledge gained by working with real estate investors, Brandon invests in multifamily properties personally and through his capital group, Naked Capital. If you have not checked out my new podcast, you totally should. Cashflow Investing Secrets, I would highly recommend it. It's a shorter show, 10 minutes or less, where I share one concept and or idea at a time. What I've learned from interviewing over 500 Cashflow Ninjas, you can listen to the show on your favorite podcast, video, and live streaming platforms. We also have an investment group and community for accredited investors. If you're interested to join the group, please visit CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com. And you can also stay uh, up to date with everything going on in our community by joining our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and search Cashflow Ninja Community and request to join the group. Savvy investors know that in order for the miracle of compounding interest to work, it's magic, you have to be constantly invested in all stages of the economic cycle. So the question then becomes, how do you find solid investments when the stock market is close to all-time highs and everything else just seems so inflated? That's where our friends at ASIM Capital come in. Since 2011, ASIM has helped more than 300 accredited investors allocate more than $25 million to mobile home parks, self-storage, and workforce housing due to their ability to perform well during economic recessions. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to asymcapital.com. That's A-S-Y-M capital.com to get instant access to their investment offerings. MC Lobsher, the creator of the Cashflow Ninja and Cashflow Coach at Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate infinite banking with their business and investments. To learn how you can create your own banking system to turbocharge your investments and business in 30 days or less, go to yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, really great to, to connect. I've been looking forward to this and really uh, like what you're doing. Uh, we're doing a lot of similar things out there. So um, appreciate you coming on the show um, and uh, sharing all of the knowledge with my listeners. Before we jump into today's episode, can you please share a little bit about your background and journey? Yeah, sure. No problem. So I started at PwC on the consulting side, uh, 2013, I think that was my first real corporate job. And I was probably three months into that and realized I did not want to do this forever. Um, do And this being like work for somebody else in a corporate environment. 
it was just a lot of red tape, but we, I felt like we couldn't get a lot done. So I started looking for a way out. I found bigger pockets because I kept seeing that rental real estate was one of those ways that you could build wealth, build cash flow, and eventually leave your corporate job. So I started learning about how could I do that. And then at the same time, recognize that there were a lot of people asking tax and accounting questions. Uh, so I just started answering the tax and accounting questions just for the fun of it while I was also studying for my CPA exam. And it kind of just snowballed. People started asking me if I was taking on clients. And I, I remember I had, I, at this point, I was at Ernst & Young. So I had done a lateral move. And I finally just said, yeah, I'll take on a client. I just said yes to somebody. Had no idea how to price them. Had no idea how to service them. Didn't know anything about, about running a business or a firm or anything like that. But that snowballed. Uh, and then 2016, I think it was about Q3, Q4, 2016, I had quit my Ernst & Young job because my business income had surpassed my W-2 job. I was house hacking a three unit at the time, so I'd reduced my overhead costs, um, which, which gave me the confidence to quit my W-2 job. And, and right about the same time, I was on the Bigger Pockets podcast, and all of a sudden, everything just blew up. So uh, now we're here. I've got 12 employees. We service about 400 clients across the United States. We have really big uh, nine-figure private equity funds that we work with. And then we have obviously very small investors that we work with too. So we kind of service everybody that is willing to work with us. Awesome. As long as you're in real estate, as long as you're in real estate. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There, and <laughs> let's touch on real estate for a second too. And some of the, 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 the tax things going on with relation to real estate. What are some of the things uh, from a tax perspective that folks should be you know, we have listeners that have just started their journey. These are the things that they should be cognizant about. Mm. Um, and then maybe if you can then touch base on some of the other things that are happening in there too. Uh, for example, there's some really, really nice things in the Lost Tax Act that was passed um, for real estate investors. Yeah. So the first thing about real estate to understand is that it's it's essentially a tax deferral vehicle. So I can create cash flow streams that I don't have to pay tax on today. I'll have to pay tax on them at some point. And that's when you get into the depreciation recapture rules, which is probably beyond the scope of this discussion. But if I, let's say that I buy a $100,000 property, I put $30,000 down, that property might cash flow, I don't know, $8,000, $9,000, $10,000 a year. So let's take $8,000. <clears> if it cash flows $8,000, um, then I've got an 8%, well, in, in 8% uh, cash to, to value, right? But then if I'm doing 8,000 divided by 30,000, my down payment, I don't know what that is, but that's like 20 something percent. So all of a sudden my levered uh, investment vehicle here is producing a really high return. But the best thing about that is that I can cash flow 8,000 bucks, meaning it hit my pocket, but I can tell the IRS that I actually lost $3,000 uh, once I report everything on Schedule E. And the reason that I can do that is thanks to primarily thanks to depreciation. So that's that's what's so beautiful about real estate is that I can I can create these eight thousand, nine thousand, ten thousand dollar cash flow streams. If I ten x that, now I've got a hundred thousand dollar cash flow stream that I'm not paying tax on because if I ten x that again, now I'm telling the IRS that I've lost twenty thousand dollars across my portfolio, largely again thanks to depreciation. So. That's what's so beautiful about real estate is that you can create those cash flow streams and they are tax deferred. Now, there's a lot of strategies to maximize that tax deferral. There's a lot of strategies to use the passive losses to offset your regular ordinary income as well. A lot of people reference the real estate professional status. 
A lot of people, CPAs included, don't understand the real estate professional status inside and out. Um, and I'm happy to talk about that if that's something you want to dive into. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> All right. So the way that the real estate professional status works. So first off, if you are earning uh, below $100,000, you can take up to $25,000 of passive losses. So you, there's, there's, the, there's a section of the code called the passive activity loss limitation rules. And if I'm earning less than 100K, I can take up to $25,000 of passive losses for my rental real estate portfolio, which is great. As I increase my earnings above 100K, that $25,000 passive loss allowance begins to phase out. And it's totally phased out once I hit 150K of earnings. Now, when I say earnings, I technically mean modified adjusted gross income. You don't have to remember that though, just think earnings. So if you're, if you're in excess of 150K, you're phased out of your passive activity loss allowance. And what that means is that if I have this situation where I generate $100,000 of cash flow and I have $20,000 of passive losses that I tell the IRS that I've created, it just becomes suspended and it gets carried forward year to year until I can use the passive losses to offset other passive income or the sale of one of the rentals. So if I sell a rental at a gain, I can use the suspended passive losses. Uh, we always get questions like, how long do the suspended passive losses stay on your books? It's indefinite. So they will be there until you can use them at some future point. We have some clients that have half a million dollars of suspended passive losses. So one alternative way to avoid, avoid those losses from becoming suspended, and we want to try to do that to maximize the present value of our dollar, right? We, we would rather have the tax savings today versus in 10 years, whenever we sell the property, um, so we don't really want the losses to be suspended if we can stop that from happening. And one of the ways to do that is qualifying as a real estate professional. This is a tax election. So getting your real estate license is not going to allow you to qualify as a real estate professional in and of itself. It is a tax election and it's solely based on hours that you work in real estate. So you have to spend 750 hours in a real estate trader business. That's the first test. The second test is you have to spend greater than half of your time in a real estate trader business. So if you have a W-2 job and you spend 2,000 hours a year at your W-2 job, you have to spend an additional 2,001 hours working on your real estate trader business, which is generally why you hear people that have a W-2 job, they can't qualify as a real estate professional because they just can't work an additional 2,001 hours. It's very difficult to do. It's harder to substantiate. Uh, on, and, and the IRS would, would definitely scrutinize that. Where people get confused though, is that that's only the first step. So qualifying as a real estate professional is the first step to unlocking those passive losses. The second step is demonstrating that you materially participated in your rental real estate activities. Now, to kind of explain it in a way that makes sense, if I am a real estate agent and that is my full-time job, I am buying and selling property all day long. I'm going to qualify as a real estate professional uh, per the IRS code. I'm going to hit the 750 hours in a real estate trader business, my, my buying and selling business. I'm going to work greater than half of my time in a real estate trader business because this is all I'm doing. I'm only selling property. What, a lot, what trips a lot of people up, and this trips a lot of CPAs up too, is that people will go ahead and claim the real estate professional status when they haven't actually materially participated in their rental real estate portfolio. So always remember that, that there's that second piece of it. If you don't materially participate in your rental real estate portfolio and you qualify as a real estate professional, your losses are still suspended. So you have to qualify as a real estate professional and also 
materially participate in your rental real estate portfolio. This is also why a lot of our clients that are like high net worth, high net income folks that are investing in like syndications, like they'll place a lot of LP investments and a bunch of different syndications. This is why they can't claim a lot of those losses either because the material participation stops them. You can't materially participate as a limited partner. So we have to determine, or we have to kind of think about alternative ways to hit the material, material participation threshold so that I can go and contribute my LP investments and still claim those losses. And there's ways to do that. It just requires a little bit of additional planning. What are some of the ways that, that, uh, that you can share uh, just a couple of them of how you, how you can do that? And, and obviously, this needs to be thoroughly documented yes. if you're doing this. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, it, speaking of thoroughly documented, it, it has to be uh, – your paper trail has to be clean. Uh, so there was a tax court case back in March 2018 where this woman had claimed real estate professional status. I think she had 10, is 10 properties or 10 units or something, so generally would have qualified. But when the tax court subpoenaed her credit card statements, uh, you know, her time log that she had said that she was working on her rental properties, her credit card statements showed that she was on exotic vacations. So you have to make sure that everything is in line there. So yes, on the documentation. But no, on the material participation piece. So first, let's take the real estate agent. So if I'm a real estate agent and all I do is buy and sell property and I'm building out a real estate portfolio, I have to, typically the tests that we see to hit material participation is spending 500 hours in my entire portfolio, my rental portfolio specifically, that's managing it, that's leasing, that's, you know, managing contractors, just really kind of the day-to-day operations, 500 hours or 100 hours and more than anyone else, which is typically hard, that that test is hard to meet um, if you have a property manager. So we typically see the 500-hour test, the one that 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 qualifies you as material participation. There are seven tests, but those are the two that we see most often. Um, so that's if you're a real estate agent, you have to, you know, just being a real estate agent in and of itself is not going to grant you material participation on the rental portfolio. You also have to spend 500 hours or 100 hours more than anybody else on your rental real estate portfolio. Um, if you are like a high net worth individual and you're married and your spouse is staying at home, and you're investing in all these limited partnerships, the way that we work with you there is we say, look, you have to build out your own portfolio. Um, your, your spouse has to participate, materially participate in your own portfolio. They have to qualify as real estate professional and materially participate in your own portfolio. And then we can aggregate in the LP investments. So we can treat the entire group as one grouped activity that you materially participate in. We're only going to be able to do that if you build out your own portfolio first. So we're not going to ever be able to hit material participation on the LP investments individually, but we can group them in to a portfolio that we do materially participate in. Gotcha. Gotcha. Let's touch on bonus depreciation that was uh, included in the, in the tax act. What are some of the things that you could share with the Cashflow Ninja listeners on bonus depreciation? Yeah. So bonus depreciation, it, it's always been around, but the 2018 tax cut and tax cuts and job Jobs Act, excuse me, uh, pushed to 100%. So now we can 100% bonus depreciate any property, any component of property with a useful life of less than 20 years. Um, When we buy property, when we buy real estate, we depreciate that real estate over 27 and a half years. But there are things within the real estate uh, that we've purchased that are not actually 27 and a half year property. They're not going to last that long. So we have five and seven year property, which is personal property. Think of like carpet, cabinets, that type of thing, appliances. 
Uh, and then we have 15-year property, which are land improvements. So my driveway, my shrubs, my landscaping, anything like that. Um, so what 100% bonus depreciation allows you to do is 100% expense in the first year of, uh, of putting that property into service, any five, seven, and 15-year property. So what we see a lot of folks do now is they will run a cost segregation study on the property in the first year that they purchase it. And if you're purchasing multifamily property, you can generally allocate 25 to 30% of the purchase price to five, seven, and 15-year property. So if I buy a $1 million multifamily property, I can allocate 250K to 300K to five, seven, 15-year property. And thanks to 100% bonus depreciation, I can immediately write that off. So I can create a really big loss for myself in the first year. And this is advantageous for a lot of investors to understand because, you know, especially if you're qualifying as a real estate professional, you can wipe out your ordinary income via this, this strategy. Um, if you are investing in syndications and you have a syndication that's about to liquidate, uh, you can pull the trigger on another syndication by the end of the year, as long as they're going to run that cost seg study. And if I invest 50K into one of these syndicates, I can generally expect a $40,000 or so passive loss passed back to me. So I can use that passive loss to offset the gain on sale from another syndication or property or, or whatever. So it's kind of creating a lot of flexibility in terms of mo moving money around and moving money back and forth between different real estate investments. Uh, it, it helps to, you know, like now we're looking at, well, do we do a 1031 exchange or do we not do a 1031 exchange, right? A 1031 exchange is a tax deferral strategy, but so is this. I can, I can have a 50K gain over here on my left hand and move the 50K into a different syndication and that's going to run a cost seg study, give me 100% bonus depreciation and offset the majority of that gain. I have to pay taxes on that eventually. So again, just a different sort of more flexible uh, tax deferral strategy compared to a 1031. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is a show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Kings, queens, and royal families, along with the nobility and ultra-rich, have warehoused and stored their wealth for centuries in gold and silver, art, land, and real estate. These assets have stood the test of time through centuries and have been a great place to preserve and protect their wealth. Like gold, silver, land, and real estate, art has been around for centuries and will be around for many, many more centuries. That's why the ultra-rich will continue to invest in art and preserve their wealth in art. While the S&P declined 5.1% in 2018, the art market returned 10.6% and was called the best investment of 2018 by the Wall Street Journal. Masterworks is the first company to allow investors to buy shares of great blue-chip art masterpieces by artists like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. You can get set up on their platform at cashflowninja.com forward slash art. My friend Dave Zook from The Real Asset Investor says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. The Real Asset Investor team creates value for investors looking for higher yield returns from ATM machines and self-storage investments. Their syndications offer attractive investment opportunities that produce strong cash flow, equity growth, 
huge tax incentives. They are truly passive and managed by a world-class team. To learn more about the exciting investment opportunities the Real Estate Investor offers, such as their ATM and cell storage syndications, please visit cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is a show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. Now let's return to our interview. This is a statement that a lot of folks have made for staying just on that that tax act that was passed that real estate now is one now one of the best tax most favorable asset classes that are out there you mentioned the bonus depreciation is there anything else that in, uh, that is included in there that you just want to highlight uh and or mention uh that folks might not be aware of yeah i mean there's there's, there's honestly a ton um bonus depreciation is what we see most folks going after and that's where we do a lot of our planning um, but in terms of the 2018 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, there's the 199A deduction, that 20% uh, pass-through deduction that's now available. Not super hard-hitting for most of our real estate investors um, because they're all producing negative income at the end of the day, thanks to depreciation. But we've seen a lot of folks with businesses, a lot of folks that own mobile home parks. Mobile home parks and self-storage tend to be pretty high cash-flowing properties. Uh, and they produce positive income, so they're able to take advantage of this 199A pass-through deductions. So they're taking a 20% deduction on their business income. Um, so that that's another one that we're seeing used a lot and, and planned around a lot. There's thresholds that you have to try to stay under and, and all that. So. Interesting. So we are now at the time of recording here towards the middle of October. And tax planning is, and the tax game is a year, a year long, all year round kind of game that you're playing. Because essentially, I mean, that's what the the game of money is. As we teach, is 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 taxes and debt. Um, what are the some of the things that you could share with listeners uh, that are looking for year end ta- tax planning strategies? What are some of the things that you that you would that you would mention and share that could be applicable to some of our listeners? Yeah. So first you have to understand what type of income you earn and how you can potentially offset that income. So if you're a W-2 employee, um, it's really difficult to offset W-2 income unless your spouse qualifies as a real estate professional or unless you can qualify as a real estate professional. So if you're a W-2 employee, you're going to be looking towards more like exotic investments. Uh, Those could be land conservation easements, which are currently undergoing government scrutiny. So um, we're not really sure how that's going to turn out. Those could be oil and gas investments. We talked about energy credits before we jumped on here. So there's definitely some good opportunity between those three to potentially place capital and receive a good deduction there, but all carry different forms of risk and are a little more exotic than just simply investing in real estate. Uh, if you can qualify as a real estate professional, or if you're a business owner, and you know you, or, or or if you're just below the 150k threshold of earnings, and you can use the passive losses, then what we're saying is you need to try to pick up a piece of property by the end of the year. It doesn't matter when you pick up the property; it just needs to be picked up and in service, meaning rented, by the end of the year. If you can do that, then there's probably some flexibility there and accelerating some components via depreciation. Um, there's potentially some things that we can do around some rehab work to help increase those first year deductions there. If you're, if you're like a business owner and, um, 
you're trying to figure out what can I do by the end of the year. Something very simple to do is just set up a solo 401k or self-directed IRA. We typically say solo 401k. That needs to be done by 1231. Uh, but that would allow you to basically sock away about $55,000 in contributions between employee and employer. We don't see all of our clients really like jump into that, but it's just nice to have a flexible tool that we can, that we can contribute to if we so desire. And then the last thing I would say is just really make sure that your entity structure makes sense. Um, there's probably not a whole lot, like, like if you are a sole proprietor right now, an entity structure is not going to help you really through the end of the year, but having that in place to kick off 2020 can be very beneficial for you. So something that we do with a lot of our clients is we'll run like a retroactive S corporation election. So we'll say set up the LLC, have it ready to go by January 1st of the next year. And then November of the next year. So November, 2020, we can do like a mini look back study on your profitability and figure out should this LLC that you've set up that you've been running your business through, should we retroactively tax it as an S corporation as of January 1st? We can't retroactively tax an LLC as an S corporation if it doesn't exist, right? So if you set it up now, 10, 15, 2019, then all we can do is go back to 10, 15, 2019 with the S corporation. Um, so the S corporation can be really beneficial from a tax perspective if you are running a business generating that self-employment income. It's a vehicle to kind of avoid FICA taxes, Social Security, Medicare taxes, uh, you have to pay yourself a reasonable wage, and then the cash dividend that you take out of the business is not subject to that FICA tax. Uh, but I do want to make it really clear that outside of the S corporation, like if you just set up an LLC, it's not going to be beneficial from a tax perspective. We see a lot of CPAs kind of like um, very interestingly telling people that if they set up LLCs, that it's going to save them money. That is totally not true. Having an LLC in place will not grant you any more business expenses than you could otherwise take. Uh, but it does give us the flexibility to potentially elect that LLC to be taxed as an S corporation. Fantastic. Uh, opportunity zones and opportunity zone funds has been something that's been uh, been out there. There was a lot of moving pieces. Any comments on on things that are happening in that area and how it relates to uh, taxes? Yeah, yeah. So opportunity zones are a great tax deferral strategy. Um, we have helped a couple clients set up the funds, but we're interestingly, we're not seeing a whole bunch of people jump into it. A lot of our clients don't like the holding requirements. So you have to hold for 10 years to really maximize the benefits of that investment from a tax perspective. And a lot of our clients are looking at that saying, yeah, I'd rather just invest in other funds or syndicates that are more in line with the asset classes that I want to be in. They're more in line with my risk tolerance. So uh, it, it could work for you. If, if you are looking to invest in an opportunity fund, um, we are saying do it by the end of 2019 because that way you maximize the seven-year tax benefit. 2026, everybody's going to have to recognize gain on their investment. So uh, you want to invest by the end of 2019 to get a full seven years before that 2026 um, realization comes around. If you invest after that, then you'll just get the five-year bump. And this is probably way, way too complicated. But there's after five years, you get a 10% step up in basis. After seven years, you get an additional 5% step up in basis. So if I have 100K of gain um, and I put that into an opportunity fund and it sits there for five years then my gain essentially drops to 90K because I have a 10K basis now. If I let it sit for another two years, so seven years total, now my gain is only 85K. But in 2026, I have to pay tax on that 85K. So if I invest January 1st, 2020, 
I'm not going to get a full seven years. So that means that I'll be paying a tax on 90K versus 85K. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So there's a lot of changes going on in tax. So it's great to, to be focused on it year long. So I appreciate you sharing this. Um, can you share a little bit? Because uh, what I love, love about the way that you built your firm too, is you guys service a lot of folks all around the United States. Um, can you speak to how you guys work with clients and what, what the process is like? Yeah, absolutely. So we only work with folks that are in real estate. Uh, we've got about 400 clients across the United States. Uh, they range, like I said, from small to large. We can, m- most folks were just doing some tax planning and then we're doing tax preparation on an annual basis. We will not do tax preparation for you unless you are going through our tax planning or you're going through accounting. So we're very big on, you have to be an advisory. We have to be providing with some sort of advisory service before we'll do anything else for you. Yeah. Um, but most folks, it's just tax planning. So you come in the door, we take a look at your situation and we ask, can we add value? And at what level can we add value? And then we'll propose, hey, here's, here's the service that we think that makes sense for you. Um, and we'll go from there. Uh, but we also, we can offer a whole bunch of accounting and outsource CFO services. We've been building a dashboard that, we've been building and piloting a dashboard that helps us uh, track our clients' KPIs and, and provide more hard-hitting advisory services there in terms of portfolio management. For some of the real estate investors, uh, is how many times do they meet with you guys uh, throughout the year? What's kind of that process like uh, for folks? Yeah, it's really dependent on the package that that the the client ultimately chooses to be on. Um, we are really big on not meeting you once a year. We want to meet you multiple times. Uh, one of the biggest complaints that I get, so I, I do a lot of our sales, and one of the biggest complaints that I get when I'm talking to a potential client is I only talk to my CPA once a year and I feel like they're not proactive. So we structure our plans to be proactive. One of our most popular plans is a, uh, we call it the growing plan but it's got quarterly implementation. So we'll do like a planning phase for 30 days. We'll develop a plan for you. And then on a quarterly basis for the remainder of the engagement period, we'll have quarterly phone calls with you. You'll get email support in between those quarterly phone calls. And uh, people are loving that. It's very, it's a quarterly is a very good cadence. um, and, And it just seems to be a very good way to be proactive. We'll schedule it all out. So everybody knows that the calls are coming up. There's no question about it. There's no like, you know, pinging us a million times trying to get a call scheduled or anything like that. It's already there. But we, we have quarterly, we have monthly, uh, and then we have another flexible option too. It's more, more just an ad hoc whenever you need it, but there's not a whole lot of folks on that. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. And uh, yeah, this is something that you got to be on top of, guys. If you're trying to build wealth, this is your the biggest destroyer of wealth out there, taxes. And as we've said many times on the show, the money game is about taxes and mm-hmm. debt. So You've got to figure out those two pieces and be very, very aware of changes that are going on. This, this is a move. There's moving goalposts on this, right? There's a, it, it changes. So if you're playing football and trying to play, you know, football at the highest level, you probably want to be aware if the rules changed <laughs> all of a sudden on the football field, right? Absolutely. So it's the same thing with taxes. So you've got to stay on top of it. Um, Brandon, one thing that I've observed from wealthy and successful folks is that they're always studying, they're always learning. What are you currently studying and what are you currently learning? 
Yeah. So I am currently studying how to um, be a better manager <laughs> at the end of the day. Uh, I'm reading Principles by um, Ray Dalia. Uh, right. That's the name, right? Yeah. Yep. Principles. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Uh, and then I'm reading, um, gosh, what is the other book? It's a great book. Uh, I don't remember what it is. It's, um, it's a management book. It was produced by Gallup and it's all about like the different questions that they ask employees and how to manage to it. I really forget. I'll have to email you afterwards with the, with the title, but those two books are great. And, uh, and really just trying to figure out like, cause we've always been like, um, a really tight knit CPA firm, but we're scaling. And as we scale, we're running into a lot of kind of just management problems, process problems, uh, efficiency problems. And I keep reminding the team, the good news is that we're not a mediocre CPA firm. Uh, so we're not just letting all these problems go to the side and not deal with them, right? We're dealing with them, we're jumping on them, but it's it's requiring a lot of like management training and skills and, and a lot of different leadership skills than I than I have previously built. So um, it's it's just interesting, you know, it's like, it's like, how do you build a team to 50 people and how do you manage that team? And that's what I'm trying to learn right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's also it, it, that a lot of changes as you grow and in size. Now, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Um, so... Yeah, I've got I've got three, and these are kind of integrated into the core values of our firm as well. Um, for me, it's it's results focused, so that is a really core principle of mine. I don't really care how long you work, how little you work. You got to drive the results. That's what matters at the end of the day. Um, it kind of cuts through everything when you're talking about results. It cuts through a lot of the BS. It cuts through a lot of the excuses. It's either you did or you didn't, right? Yep. Uh, but to kind of counter that, I also really truly believe in a coaching approach. So I've got three coaches myself. They're essentially my board of advisors. I coach my employees through structured coaching. And then we obviously coach all of our clients on, on tax benefits and, and how they can be implementing a lot of this stuff as well. So if you take a coaching approach, uh, I just think that you're much more likely to rally the team around you, uh, rally people around you and influence people uh, to, to work better and faster. And then my last one is just be real. Uh, we call it radical candor after that, after the book, radical candor, just be real with people, be transparent. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of BS in real estate. We, we see some of the gurus financials and it's, it's scary sometimes, you know, and just, just be real with people. There's no reason not to, the more transparent you are, the more successful you'll be at the end of the day. Absolutely. I love what you said about too, about coaching and managing because a lot of folks like to be coached, but not necessarily managed, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. How can my listeners learn more about you, uh, your firm, um, and stay informed of all the projects that you're involved with? Yeah. So you can follow me on LinkedIn. You can just search Brandon Hall CPA and I'll be there. Um, I used to post a lot on LinkedIn and I'm starting to pick that back up again. Uh, you can check out our website, therealestatecpa.com. That's where you can learn all about the team. You can learn about our services and you can check out our blog. Uh, we have a link to our blog, podcast, and YouTube channel. Would highly recommend checking out our podcast, The Real Estate CPA Podcast. Um, people tell us that it's amazing. So, <laughs> so, so we would definitely recommend checking that out. 
If you like it, give us a rating on iTunes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for connecting. This is this has been a blast, and look forward to meeting you in person soon at an event that we both att- uh, will attend. Uh, appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge uh, and all of this valuable information with my listeners. Absolutely loved it. Thanks for having me. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic market and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number of solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Thank you again for joining me on the Cashflow Ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here, please subscribe, rate, and write a review for our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at CashflowNinja.com. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. Until next time, my friend, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.